All right, green. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, Helen. Good morning, everybody. Are you pleased to be here this morning? Some of you are. The rest of you, you'll, you'll get there. All right. So uh, I'm Daz, children and family pastor in this church, and of course, of course, I would pick David and Goliath. He does the Sunday school. Who's he going to pick? Yeah, probably David and Goliath to talk about on a Sunday morning. But we're in a series at the moment um, talking about the Bible's superheroes. And um, although David he didn't always get it right, you know, made some mistakes, he did a lot of great things for God. And I always, this, this always sticks in my mind as this sort of superhero moment. He did something quite incredible. Um, and I'm actually really excited about uh, my own message um, Particularly because last week, if you weren't here, Neil, that, Helen's dad, that guy, remember that guy? He came and he talked about Caleb, um, who also had a problem with giants. So I'm talking about slaying giants today. The, the Israelites went into the promised land. They had a look around. They came back. Ten of the spies said, uh-uh, there's giants in the land. This is not looking good. Caleb and his friend Joshua said, this is amazing. You should see it. We're going to go. The Lord is going to take us into the promised land. So this morning, God is telling us, there's giants in the land, there's giants in our lives. Um, We've all got giants in our lives, but we know a God who deals with giants. I'm excited about that. So this is probably maybe the most famous Bible story. No, it's not bigger than Jesus, but it's probably out there as the, the most famous Bible story after that I'm going to go out on a limb and say. It's a real underdog story. And wherever you read about underdog stories, they always refer to it. This is a David and Goliath tale. Um, and I think David achieved something great for God that day in that valley. And we can also achieve something great for God. Because David was just a man. Or in that situation, he was just a boy. And... Um, I've got a lot of favourite Bible verses in the Bible, and, and one of them is, is in James. And James says, Elijah was a man just like us. And that's both encouraging and terrifying all at once, isn't it? You think, wow, all the fantastic, amazing, mind-blowing things Elijah did. And you think, wow, he's like, wow, Elijah, he's up there. And you think, no, he's just a man just like me, just like you. Ladies, you're also included. He's a human just like us. Um, and it's exactly the same with David. So what I want us to do today is I want us to look at this story and equip ourselves with the skills and the, the things that we need to be able to do great things for God. Because all it takes is the right mindset, I think, in this situation. David had the right mindset. Um, uh, and I'm really preaching this sermon as much to myself as I am to anybody else. God is doing, There's a lot of change happening in my life right now, okay? And um, God is really speaking to me about you know, being brave and doing great things and what it takes to do great things. So I'm going to share a bit of that journey probably um, as we're going through. There's three things, because that's the Christian way, that I want us to explore today. The first is that we need to reach for and maintain, which is tricky, a godly perspective. That's hard to do. David did it in a situation when everybody else had sort of human eyes. David managed to get a godly perspective on the situation. Godly perspective, not a God-like perspective. I don't want us all leaving sort of thinking we're gods among the lowly people around us. I'm not endorsing a God complex this morning, but we need to have a godly perspective. Second thing, so if you're writing them down, I'll try and slow down. We need to trust God. Very easy, obviously. 
Um, but what I want us to think about is that means we need to think about what God has already done in our lives because that will then push us to see what he is able to do in our lives when we face giants, when we face challenges, when our life goes wrong. If we can think about what God has done, that will push us to see what he can do. Uh, and the last one, I want us to, to, to witness the war for our lives. And that, we'll come to that at the end, um, and I'll cover it when we come to it, I guess. Uh, but let's set the scene a little bit. We only had a bit of the story because it's a long story, and Helen did a great job of reading it. But the Philistines are camped on one side of the valley. The Israelites are camped on the other side, the valley of Elah, and in the middle, sort of this big gap. So Philistines, Israelites... Um, and as I read, I always thought I'd go back and read this because I sort of, in my head I thought, oh, I know this story. Um, I could talk about it all day. But I thought I'd go back and read it. And as I read that, just that first opening bit, I thought, wasn't it always the Philistines living in Israel that were putting up with? I mean, not, it wasn't always the Philistines. But when you read the Bible, sometimes it always felt like um, it was the Philistines. I thought, I wonder if that's, um, I wonder if that's your story today. In life, when you're facing um, trouble or hardship, it's always the same enemy that we're facing across the valley. No matter how much you know, sort of we work on ourselves and we do prayer retreats and we do Christian conferences and we, we do some self-development and all these things, and then suddenly something goes wrong and there's that same enemy again across the valley from us looking to take us down. So hopefully be a bit more, bit more ready to try to take them on. This time, though, the, the Philistines have got a champion. And he's the biggest, ugliest, meanest of them all. Three metres tall, he says. And I reckon he probably would have had to stoop to go, kind of go under that, um, the bit where the hall kind of ducks down. I think he would have been too tall to sort of stand under there. So he's a big, big, ugly, mean-looking guy. Um, and again... I was excited last week that, that Neil was talking about the giants and there was this fantastic phrase um, that was in that story that I thought it probably reflects how the Israelites and King Saul were feeling. This giant comes out, he's challenging them all, taunting them, jeering them um, and he's, he's saying, if you can come and fight me and you can knock me dead, we'll all become your slaves. But if you, your champion comes out and I kill them, we'll all become your slaves. And it says in this story that King Saul and the whole of the Israelite army were, were terrified, filled with fear. Um, and there's this phrase from Neil's story last week, they said, we saw the giants in the land, and in our own eyes, we looked like grasshoppers. So they looked at the giants and they felt very small, like a grasshopper. And I think the same thing's happening here. They're looking at Goliath and they're thinking, oh my goodness, he's, he's a soldier like me, but he's like a big soldier. He's an ugly soldier. He's a mean soldier. He's got bigger muscles than I've got body. What am I going to do? I don't think I can take him on. So Goliath is there, taunting the army. And uh, they see themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes. And that's the problem. And my first point was, we need to get a godly perspective on things. As opposed, they saw it through the human eyes. Oh no, he's really big, I'm really small, this isn't going to work, I'm out. David arrives on the scene, and he's got our solution. He looks, and he's asking people, what's going on here? Who's this big guy? That he's running, running the army of God down. What is happening here? How is this being allowed to happen? He's turned up with bread and cheese, by the way, just for his brothers. He's a shepherd boy. That's his full-time job. He's having to go at all these soldiers. How can we let this guy get away with this? He's not happy because this giant 
is defying God's army. This is the God that he knows intimately. He sits and looks after the sheep and he writes psalms, many of which we frame and stick on our walls at home. He knows God so well that he recognises this situation is not okay. God is not okay with this. And I'm going to maybe have to do something about it. His perspective is a godly perspective. And if we can get a godly perspective, here comes my ladder, then what we do is we get ourselves up above the situation. So I'm looking at you all here. I can sort of see some of you. People at the back, I can't see you very well. can't get the whole picture. If I can ascend up out of my human perspective, well, oh, there's a lovely cobweb here, into a higher... Oh, look, all the, the men with ball sports are getting a bit nervous now. But I can see you a lot better. I'm getting up above the problem. I'm getting up above my giant. I'm looking down from where God is and I can see it from his perspective. And every step I take, I get closer to seeing things from where God is. And if I can do that, it will change the way I think about the giants in my life. If anybody's ever done anything to do with cognitive behavioural therapy, this is a very fashionable thing at the moment in, in the NHS. And um, the sort of idea of it is that we, we think thoughts in our head. Our perspective causes us to think things in our head and then that kind of controls and shapes how we feel about something. And then the way we feel about something drives what we do about something. So our perspective drives our thoughts. Our thoughts drives the way we feel. And that drives the, what we do in life. So if we're starting with, oh my goodness, look at the size of him. I'm really small. I mean, I can fight a bit, but he looks like he can fight a, a whole lot more than I can. I'm not really sure if I'm going to be good enough. That makes us feel terrified, that makes us feel tiny, that makes us feel pretty awful. And we stand and we do nothing, because we're frozen with fear. David arrives, look at this guy, what's going on here? He doesn't know the God that he's mocking, he doesn't understand what's happening now. God is so much bigger and so much greater than he is. I'm not happy about this, is his thought, this is not okay. He feels enraged. I'm, this is not right, I'm going to do something about this. And it drives him to go around and ask people, what's happening, why, is this, why are we letting this happen? If we can change our perspective, if we can rise up above, I'm going back up the ladder, we can go up above our problem and get to where God is. What is God saying about this? How does God feel about this? What is God saying to me in this situation? And in the midst of our problems, we can make better choices. And do more positive, godlike, godly, godly, godly actions because we've started from the right perspective, and that's God's perspective. That's my first thing. So word gets round that David is on the scene, and the king wants to hear from him, so he drags him in. Oh no, I'm jumping ahead because the, tr- the, the tricky thing about getting up the ladder up to godly perspective, is that it's hard to get up there because life gets you down. Oh no, someone's, something's gone, I've got to go and sort this out. And I'm coming back and I'm trying to go back up here again. And then someone wants to talk to me about something else and I'm going over here. And David's got exactly the same problem. He's arrived, he's like, no, this is not right, I'm going to have a word with people. And as he's going up, his brothers turn up and we didn't read this part, but they have a go at him. What are you doing here? He's supposed to be looking after the sheep. Who's looking after the sheep now? What's dad doing? You, just t- you, you turned up just to watch a battle, you evil little person. You love a bit of blood, don't you? That's what you're here for. And David says, what? I can't even speak to people. What are you talking about? 
They're trying to pull him back down that ladder. And he could have let them. He could have gone, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. Oh, I'm a bit young. Oh, I'm going home. And walked away. But he didn't. He kept going up the ladder, up to the top. And the king has heard about him. Now we're, we're there now. The king's heard. David's on the scene. He wants to see him. He brings him to wherever the king is. I don't know. He's probably in a special tent somewhere. Um, and the king lays into him as well. This is where we started. Don't worry, king. I'm going to sort this giant out. Don't let anybody worry about the giant. I'm going to take him, take him down. The king says, you are not able to absolutely deny him. Black, black and white, black. You cannot, cannot go and fight that giant. He's been a soldier since he was a boy. And you are a boy. Can't do it. And David says, uh-uh. He's been soldiering his whole life. Guess what I've been doing? I've been shepherding. Mm. Check me out. You're not impressed. Let me tell you what happens when I'm shepherding. I'm out in the field. I'm watching the sheep. A lion comes along. Takes one of our sheep. Runs away. What do I do? Sit down and cry? No. Go after that lion. Turn that thing around. Take back my sheep. Beat it dead with a stick. Maybe a bear comes along. Takes my sheep away. Same thing. Chase it around, turn it around, take my sheep back, beat it down with a stick. What David's doing is he's trusting in God in this situation. He says, that Philistine out there, exactly the same. It's just like a big old bear, but he talks English. Well, not English, something else. David is saying, let me tell you about what God has done in my life. Because now I'm thinking, I think I know what God could do. This is what he's done. I think he's going to do this. He's trusting in God. That's remembering what God has done in our lives. Because then that pushes us to see what he could do. David goes out on the battlefield. Stands there looking at this huge hulk of a man. He says, you come against, you've got your spear, you've got your javelin, your shiny bronze thing looking all glittery. Your shield's so big, somebody else has got to carry it for you. I'm not impressed. I come against you, he says, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. He says, let me tell you what's going to happen right now. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down dead and I'll cut off your head. And what does he do? Strikes him down dead, cuts off his head. But this is such a cool story, isn't it? really love this story. And I always leave that bit in when I tell it to the children, because I think it's important that they know, chopped off his head. Um, and maybe it was a bit overkill. You know, you sort of think, oh, did he get a bit carried away? But I think um, it was quite an important moment for David. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew what was happening. Because remember, the armies might be a bit further away, they might not quite see, they might think, oh look, they're running towards each other, they can see Goliath, he kind of goes down. Oh, what's he laying on the ground? He's messing with David. Maybe he's just laying there, playing a little funny game. Oh look, he's letting David get a bit closer. He's letting David pick up his sword. Come on, Goliath, it's enough of this. Get... Uh-oh. And all of a sudden... This moment of realization for the Philistines that this little boy just killed Goliath. 
And they were probably feeling pretty confident up until that point. And all of a sudden, their confidence is gone. And they're absolutely full to the brim of fear. They turn tail and they run for their lives. And David killed Goliath, not because he's killed a lion, he's killed a bear, and it makes him feel like a hot shot, I can do it, I've got the skills, but because David trusted God, the same God who helped him kill the lion, who helped him kill the bear, to help him kill the giant that was in front of him. And our trust in God, from, our trust in God comes from knowing what he has done, and it pushes us to see what he can do. And my last point, and we're doing okay for time, is I want us this morning to witness the war for our lives. And I don't want to, you know, I hope you're feeling encouraged. That's my kind of goal today is to make you feel encouraged, thinking I've got these giants, but you know what, Daz? I hear what you're saying. Me and God, maybe I make a new go of it. I'm feeling like maybe I could get a better perspective. I can trust God to deal with them. I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit this morning because... You need to know, when you read this story and you kind of try to apply it to your lives, you are not David in this story. Okay? Which is a bummer, isn't it? Like, it makes you think, like, you, you were there. You were thinking, that right, Daz, Goliath, he's, you know, he, David took him down. I've got these things going on and a big, big, it looks like a giant, but maybe I could get above it and I could see it and I could, I could take it down, me and God together, because I trust God now. But... The biggest giant in all of our lives, we've got different names for it, it looks, looks like different things maybe for each and every one of us, but the biggest giant in our lives is, is probably our sin. And as I say, it takes different forms for different people, we've all got ones that we think are the biggest ones, but a sin is, is our biggest giant. Um, and we look at it across the battlefield, and we, we, we fantasise about how we might try and take it down, we might talk about it with those next to us, you know, we could fight it, maybe if you, we took it two on one, we could do it, and you can help me and pray for me, and it'd be great. Um, we might even imagine what life was like without that sin in our lives. Wow, wouldn't it be fantastic? Everybody would, yeah, I'd be a hero if I could take down that giant. But the truth is, we look at that giant of sin in our lives and we know we are no match for it. Good news is, somebody is. We've got a champion this morning who walked out onto the battlefield for us, who knocked that giant down dead and who cut off his head, and his name is Jesus Christ. And although we were all absolutely powerless to deal with our sin, Jesus has already done it for us. And we, there are other giants. You know, I, I read in um, one commentary that David picked up five stones. We saw that thing, and I thought, well, maybe he thought he might miss. You know, wow. he didn't want to be there. One stone, sure, miss, and think, uh oh, what have I got now? Picked up five stones, but I read somewhere else that in other, other texts outside of the Bible, there's um, a reference to Goliath having four brothers. Right? So, one, two, three, four, five. Five stones for five giants. David was ready to kill them all. He took down the big one. If there's any others coming out of the woodwork, he would be ready. I like that idea anyway. Um, it may or may not be true. I thought it was quite cool. Um, the big giant in our lives is taken down. That doesn't mean we, you know, we're off scot-free now. Uh, and life's going to be easy. Um, but the war is won. There was that moment for David. He chopped off the head. He lifted up that head. And the army of Israelites behind him suddenly realized he's done it. It's over. The war is done. All we've got to do now, all we've got to do now is chase them down 
finish him off. That's it. And that, that's, this is us. That is the war for our life has just been won. Jesus has gone out on the battlefield. He's killed the sin. There's no power in it anymore. And all we've got to do now is we've got to run in behind him and we've got to fight for God's kingdom and we've got to bring him glory in that moment. And we could get all self-conscious about it and think, oh, I'm not quite as good a fighter as that person over there or never quite have you know, quite as big a sword as Jesus had to do his thing. But you know what? I'm sure when the Israelites went home with all their treasure and their thing, they didn't sort of get all hung up about what they did in their little bit afterwards. They got home to the rest of the Israelites and they said, where's David? you never believe what he did. It was amazing. This guy was three metres and he was there, that little guy, there's a sling, whacked off his head. It was crazy. All we did after that was just run and finish them off. It's the same for us. One day we'll go home Right to heaven, and we're not going to get there and go. How many people did you did you save? How many people did you pray and get healed? It's not how it's going to be. We're going to get there and go. Where's Jesus? Where is he? Let me tell you about what he did. You know, I'm going to tell you anyway. It's going to be excited to be there, and if we can get that perspective that Jesus has conquered sin and he's conquered death. And if we can trust God that he's done that in our lives and he could do other amazing things and if we can look at our problems not from with our sort of human eyes because we look like grasshoppers it's in the Bible we can get up to God's, how God sees us then we can do amazing things. We might not be chopping off giants' heads I wouldn't recommend that you'd probably go to prison but there are other things other amazing things that are happening around the world that Jesus is doing um, in the fight for his kingdom. Um, and we could be part of that. And we're invited to be part of that this morning. And I'm so excited that Chris is coming up and saying, you know, there's, God is saying, there's a battle coming. And we've got to be ready. And I'm standing here saying, the war is won. The battle is here. And we've just got to run after Jesus and fight the good fight. If we can get a godly perspective, if we can trust in a God who's fought for you and has won the war for your life, then let's charge into battle and see what he's going to do next. Let's pray. And you know what, this morning, if you're thinking, I'm really encouraged, Daz, but I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. I'm feeling a little bit afraid because God's like maybe going to do great things. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if, you know, I don't know what that means. And I'm going to need his help. Then let's pray for you, because that's probably all of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our champion, that you have defeated death, that you have taken the head off of our sin, and that you are urging us to follow you into battle, to tell other people that they can live a life that you've got for them because you've done it, it's finished, it's over and we're fighting for you now help us to be brave, so brave like David was on that day to get a really godly perspective help us to see our lives through your eyes help us to see our problems as big as they are they're not getting any smaller but we can have a bigger, more godly perspective Lord help us to trust you because you've done amazing things in us and you can do amazing things through us and in us as well. Lord, fill us this morning with your spirit 
Some of us are leaking. Some of us are it's all gone. Lord, fill us up again, right to the top. We need your help. We need your Spirit's power in our lives so that we can run into battle with you. We give you the glory this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Give me my ladder out of the way.